Greetings and salutations to you all. This is Dee Dee Moonflyer. Welcome to Twilight Tonic, your weekly voyage to points distant and parts unknown. We'll discuss all things paranormal, spiritual, weird, and wonderful. So if you're ready, grab your favorite tonic, your best comfy chair, and let's begin. on Twilight Tonic, I have an amazing lady, and I had an honor of being on her podcast and radio show, Paranormal Connections, which was a lot of fun. She is also a host of another live podcast called Top Secret News on WLTKDB, the same station I have Twilight Tonight on, and she is... I just really admire her because she's been in this field and investigating close to 30 years. She is the owner of PPRS in California, a psychic medium, a precog dreamer, but she's also had an experience with something that has scared me for a long time, and that is the Black Eyed Children. Christine George, how are you tonight? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course. You know, I wonder, with everyone, when we get involved in the paranormal metaphysics and the spiritual world, there's always a reason. What is your reason for wanting to be involved in this? Well, it started out really trying to find answers to what was going on in my own life. Mm -hmm. But... Eventually, it ended up about then reaching out and helping other people who were similar to me and had experienced similar things. It was very hard for me to get anybody to believe me when I was young and, you know, really kind of messed with me, not knowing what was going on. It was very normal. It happened all the time. But anytime I tried to talk to anybody else about what was going on immediately, you know, like their, their antennas would come up like, oh my gosh, she's, what is she talking about? This is not good. Parents of kids that I met would tell them that they couldn't be friends with me anymore. You know, just, it was hard. So that's what started me. And I really didn't even know what the paranormal was until I actually like saw it on television mm-hmm. and I'm like, Oh wow, this is, this is what I am. This is what I'm doing. I was one of those people that as I got older and got a, to be an adult, because I was a psychic medium, I could connect with things that were in houses. And I mean, in buildings, I used to go everywhere and see things. And once I got to be an adult, it was a little bit easier for people to accept what I was saying opposed to when I was a child. So for them, I was always that person that if somebody said, oh, something weird is going on in my house, you know, somebody would say, oh, I have a friend who has a friend (laughs) that (laughs) they could probably come and like help you. And so they would call me. And basically all that I did, I never had any equipment. My equipment was just me. 
I would, you know, go to the house. I never wanted to know anything about the case. I never wanted to know anything about what was going on. I just wanted to walk in and see what I could pick up on. And that's what I would do. And I would help people. And I would a lot of times convince, you know, spirits to leave to wherever they were going to go to. Um, and sometimes it was just family members so I could give <clears throat> messages and some peace to the homeowners and then they would be fine. Uh, and so that's kind of where it started when I saw on TV. I'm like, oh, that's what I do. Right. I didn't know that there, there was a name for it. I didn't know paranormal investigator, what it meant or anything about it. So it really went from that to learning a lot more, discovering a lot more, meeting people, other people like me, interviewing, hearing people's stories. And it just kind of pushed me into, okay, like my purpose is to be here and, and help people. But I also had a near death experience where that's what I was told I had to do. So it's kind of plays hand in hand, I guess. Right. (laughs) When you had your near death experience, I always ask, did, did your guides, an angel or anything talk, talk with you about this and what you were supposed to do? How were you shown? I I don't know if it I don't know who it was that was speaking to me. Let's put it that way. Uh, when I had my near death experience, I had a car accident. Uh, mm-hmm. I went in for surgery. Uh, next thing I know, I'm floating above my body. I'm seeing them work on you know working on me. Again, at, at this point, I had been in the field a lot. I knew about people having near death experiences, things like that. I just never expected it would happen to me. So immediately when I saw what was going on, I kind of looked around. I was looking on top of the um, the light because mm-hmm. I know a lot of times people, the um, operating room people will put something on top because so many people claim to have a near-death experience. So that's what I was looking for, but I didn't mm-hmm. see anything. And the next thing I know, I was just kind of transported into this bright, bright – I don't want to say it was a room because there was really no floor or ceiling. It was just very bright bright area and out in the I I could see that there was a line of people and it was my grandfather which is the first person I had ever lost uh, that was close to me and the only relative that ever came back to visit me when I was young Mm -hmm. Uh, then I saw a ex-boyfriend of mine who was actually murdered and died in my arms Uh, Then I saw a couple of women who I later found out were family members. And then there was a couple other people. And I still to this day have no idea who they were. Nobody said anything to me. They were all just standing in a line. When I kind of get there, I'm kind of thinking like, oh, okay. Hmm. So I guess I died on the operating table. And so I was actually had a lot of just energy and I felt mm-hmm. loved and it was just an amazing feeling. Now, mind you, at this time, I had four young children Wow! and I was a single mom. So my only thing in life that kept me, you know, <laughs> around right. was the fact that I had my children and I would never want to leave them behind, you know, me dying on an operating table. And crazy enough, I never even thought about them. And then I was told by, it was a man's voice. And I was told that I had to go back now was not my time. And 
immediately like I'm looking at my grandfather and my ex-boyfriend like, are you guys going to say something? And mm-hmm. they just kind of waved. And I was very much, I've always been a rebel. And I kind of was like, look, you know, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> you can't make me go back. Boom. That was, that was the end of it. And no, just a few minutes after I said that, my body was being yanked backwards. Not far, but I could still see the line of people, but I was further away. Mm-hmm. And then I'm yelling and screaming, please don't let me take, let them take me back. I want to stay. I want to stay. Please help me. And I get pulled back a second time. And then the third time I come back, I am literally back in my body. And I wake up and, or actually I was above my body first because I saw what they were doing is they were doing the, um, after the second one, they were doing uh, the paddles. Mm-hmm. And that was the second time I uh, came back. I'm above my body. And then on the third one, they said, turn it up uh, one more. And if not, we'll call it. And on that third one, that's when I'm basically sucked back into my body. And when I came to, I was hysterical. I was, I couldn't get the information out fast enough. I was like in a full panic attack. And all I could remember was that there was this nurse and she was at the top of my head and she literally just had a rag and she just kept patting my forehead and rubbing my forehead and my hair saying, oh, honey, it's okay. It's okay. It's just from the anesthesia. Mm -hmm. And I kept saying, no, it's real. It, It happened. No, it's from the anesthesia. So I didn't say another word. And literally the next morning, I had a doctor that came in and he said, you know, hey, uh, I heard you had quite an experience during your surgery. And I was like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I just had a reaction to the anesthesia. And he said, well, let me be the decider of that. Why don't you tell me what happened? And, you know, again, all through my childhood, any time I talked about anything that happened to me that was strange to other people, mm-hmm. people immediately thought I was crazy. So I really wasn't trying to even say anything to him, but he made me comfortable and I did. And I said, but you know, this couldn't be true because, and he said, well, why do you think that? I said, well, because I've seen and heard other people who've had near-death experiences in hospitals when they're being operated on mm-hmm. and they always can see something on the top of the operating lamp. And I said, and I looked and there was nothing there. And he just looked at me and got the biggest smile. And he said, let me tell you something, Christina. He says, we actually, you're right. We do have a lot of people who claim that. And he said, and we actually do put X's is what he's told me that they put like a red X. He said, but you happen to be in the operating room that we don't have it on. Mm-hmm. And he said, and I completely believe you. And he was actually some kind of doctor that was doing research in near-death experiences, which is why oh. I got the reaction like I did. But yeah. who would have thought? And so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where it happened. But they, you know, told me that I had to go back. And one of the other things I looked at was they said that not only did I have to come back, but I now had to come back and I had to be open about my abilities and use them to help others. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I hid most of my life because, again, anytime I brought up anything like that, I grew up in the Catholic Church, very strict, right. you know, Catholic background. And you mentioned stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. 
you just kind of like, oh, they're telling stories or, oh, they're, as I got older, you know, maybe you're crazy. Maybe there's something really wrong with you to the point that I knew there was nothing wrong with me. I was pretty sure there wasn't anything wrong with me, but I just stopped letting people know. So to be told, okay, now I got to come back. And basically my mission is (laughs) to be honest about my abilities and my experiences and help others. It's like, I feel like in reincarnation, like you, each time you come back, it's because you haven't fulfilled your, your journey, the previous life. Right. (laughs) And I'm tired of recycling. I want it to be, I just want to like relax for a while. So I'm trying to figure all of this out now so that I can follow the rules and get a pass for a while. So that's what my mission has been. So I helped, I started um, mentoring children with abilities. I did that Mm -hmm. for about 10 years. Uh, pretty much so that I could help kids that had abilities like me and in turn also help educate the parents to know how to deal with their children, as well as create a small community of like-minded children with the same experiences so that there was a group for them to actually be able to communicate what was going on, talk about what was happening get feedback from other children their age and stuff like that. So um, I did that for about 10 years. That was very, very good. I think that that's my one feather in my cap of anything that I've done in this (laughs) field. I think that, you know, I should get the kudos for, you know, uh, doing that. So, (laughs) yeah, I think um, it's really important. You know, a a lot of kids don't have that support. No, they they don't. Abilities, you know. Yeah. And they start to feel that, you know, again, they're so different and nobody will like them. And, you know, they become very depressed. Yeah. They like me. I met a lot of especially teenage girls because for for people with have abilities, especially psychic abilities mm-hmm. during those teenage years. You know, it's hell to even just be a teenage girl at that age anyway, (laughs) but then throw on some abilities that you have no idea what they are or how to control them or Mm -hmm. anything um, is a lot. And I started to see a lot of girls becoming very withdrawn, very depressed, um, cutting. I was a cutter as well, Mm -hmm. Um, found cut myself one day by accident and realized like that was a way that I could release all the energy. You know, I didn't, I didn't understand meditation or anything like that back in the days. You know, it was like, oh, I just had all this pent up energy. And then as soon as I would get cut, it would like release it all. And I would just feel like 100% better. So mm-hmm. uh, I saw as I was talking with lots, it, it kind of started out with clients that had children. And I would, you know, interview them after I, you know, had done my walkthroughs and stuff. And that really wait. I mean, people having to deal with paranormal activity anyway right. is can be difficult. But when you have a child who sees or is experiencing it or is the target of it, mm-hmm. for me, I, that's that was the big thing. That's that's what I needed to be able to assist in. So that's kind of where my focus went. Yes. Yeah. I understand that. That's awesome. Love that. Mm-hmm. You know, more people need to do that. Yeah, it's a it's a different time now. It definitely um, is, yeah. 
<laughs> the field is not anything like it used to be, um, and not for the better. Uh, it's sad. It's sad. I mean, I used to be very, very active in, in the field, and I really had to kind of just pull away and stop with all of that. It was it was just getting to be too too much, too much drama, too much backstabbing. Everybody's got a claim for fame. Everybody's jealous of everybody else. You know, I was seeing people in teams that had been, you know, friends 10, 15 years and, you know, they'd have a fallout or disagreement over something. And then the next thing people would be coming to me to try to get me to expose the other person, you know, oh. because they're mad at them. And oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Nope, I've nope, had nope. <laughs> people get mad at me and, you know, make up some pretty horrific things. I mean, I was at one point, uh, people that were out there were saying I was a serial killer. I had lost my grandmother to dementia in old age. They said that I murdered her. Uh, I've, there's been rumors that I stole haunted statues from clients and sold them for $300,000 each on the black market. And I was living underground because I was on the FBI's uh, top wanted criminal list. Uh, the craziest things. <laughs> and you laugh, you laugh, but, and I laugh now because back then I thought, like at this time, I had probably been in the field for at least 10 plus years. So right. I, I had made a name for myself back then. And I'm thinking, there is no way in the world that anybody would believe this kind of stuff, right? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> to my surprise, probably 90% did. And <laughs> oh my people were defriending me overnight. People were that I was booked at their events were canceling me saying, oh, well, we don't know if it's true, but we can't have negative publicity like this. Uh, I, it, it was just crazy. Like the, that amount of people who just turned just on a whim, just just because somebody said it was so no, no factual evidence, nothing. Um, and I was just like, oh, wow, like this is like this is what we're doing. And like this is what this field is that they I thought of. And so they I kind of got like blacklisted from being able, you know, to speak at events because mm. it, even back then it was pretty much who you knew, you know, and that's why you always see the same people in the same events every sure. year. Um, and I just wasn't kind of that kissy butt type person. So <laughs> They were like, okay, well, you just won't be invited anymore. And I'm like, well, you know what? That's okay. I, you know what? I'm going to start my own radio show and then I can get all this information out to a lot more people than your piddly couple hundred that you have at your events. And so I started the show basically as just a petty get back at the field. And then it took off. And then the crazy thing is, is like I would make fun of myself and the whole rumor. Like I would go places all the time and sure. I'd say, yeah. Hey, will you turn me in? Like, I don't know how much the reward is, but like, go ahead. Like, here I am. I used to say, take pictures <laughs> with police officers. Like, I, it was old jail cells. I take pictures. Like, they, hey, they locked me up. Like, all kinds of stuff. And then I'd say, hey, well, if the FBI can't find me, how can you find me? You know? <laughs> and uh -huh. so it, so eventually people, you know, like so many years went by that they're like, oh, I was still out in the public. I was, live streaming from my, wherever I was at all sure, the time. Yeah. So I, eventually people are like, Oh, okay. I guess it isn't true. And then the same people that were trying to blacklist me 
were the same people wanting to invite me back to their events, asking me to promote their events. It, it is cra- It's a crazy field. Wow. So I was like, you know, <laughs> wow. I'm good. I'm just going to kind of keep my distance. And I have a very small circle of people that I work with and collaborate sure. with. Yeah. And I, I just do my thing. Um, I don't care anything about fame. I don't care about television. I don't care about any of that. I've had opportunities to do it all. Um, this is not what I'm here for. I'm here to help people who are in need and that's what I'm going to stay focused with. And with the shows, I'm able to share other people's experiences Mm -hmm. and give them an audience that's accepting of their encounters and in their stories. So, well, and I think that's the main and important thing, um, is when we expose all of these abilities and we expose people that have them that can help others, it makes someone with abilities or experiences feel safe. Right. And I think when I started podcasting, obviously I have an interest in all kinds of things, paranormal and metaphysical and even cultish sometimes. But the main thing is, is acceptance. Yes. And in order to get that, we actually have to take ourselves, I think, to that next level of being serious and understanding and professionalism and working with scientists, parapsychologists, and all kinds of people, because we need that. We need that that very badly. Well, we do, We do, but instead, what we've got instead was a bunch of armchair investigators that learned how to investigate off of TV, which was all the wrong things to learn. And people who now feel like, oh, they've been in the field for a couple of years and did some investigations that they're experts. Mm. Like it's, and then they're trying to help other people in need, not having a clue. You know, it, it bothers me because We've always, I, my team has always been a team that we go in, we investigate, sure. do a cleansing, whatever it is that we need to do to help rid this family of what's going on. And now it's the field has changed. Now you've got teams that all that they want to do is get residential cases so that they can collect evidence. But they don't know anything about doing a cleansing. They don't know how to help any other way. So basically all they're going to do is go into the house, investigate, stir things up, and then leave. Mm -hmm. And I have a real problem with that. Because people that have paranormal activity in their homes and are that scared where they reach out. Right. They already know that the activity exists. <laughs> like they don't need you to come in and really validate it. Cause they're pretty sure by that point that Something's there's something going definitely on. going on. They're looking for help. So if you come in just with a whole bunch of, you know, uh, suitcases and gadgets, it, it's, it's a great entertainment show, but if you can't do anything to fix it and now going and messing with it. And again, a lot of people learned off of TV. So when they don't get immediate interaction with the spirit world, then they start provoking and doing all kinds of things they shouldn't. Then they make the spirits mad and then they pack all their stuff up and leave. And who do you think is targeted afterwards? It's family, you know, and especially again, we find time and time again, if there are children in the home, 
they're usually the ones that are going to be targeted. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. So, yes, I have a real problem with that. And I, again, Miss Rebel here, I have no problem <laughs> telling people about themselves. And I have exposed many, many a teams, many a people in the paranormal for doing being involved in all kinds of really bad stuff. So I have no problem calling people out and telling them my thoughts on on things. And that is a huge pet peeve of mine. If you want to just go and collect and research, there are a million plus buildings and businesses and things that you can investigate because there's activity everywhere. It doesn't have to be some old creepy house that, you know, has a history. You can go like I go to the restaurants and I'm like, are you serious? Like, here we go. Here we go again. You know, it's everywhere. So, you know, go to those locations, go to locations that people don't care and aren't scared. They're not trying to rid the building of go and pay some money and go to a lot of the haunted known haunted locations and investigate and research there. Don't go to a private residential home where people are reaching out for help. If you, don't know what you're doing and you can't help them. So yeah, that's my soapbox. I, I, that's a real pet peeve of mine for sure. Well, I think it would be for anybody that has done the research. And I think that would be for anybody that really cares about what they're doing. That really. Yeah. And well, everybody first started, you know, a long time ago, people have been in there, you know, in the field 20 plus year, like we didn't have all the, the gadgets and electric, sure. like we were going and we're going to, you know, the uh, records department and like, you know, the newspaper department, like we're really researching and really doing the history and finding out the history of the property and all these different things. And so it was a much different time and, you know, the gadgets were very simple, but Hey, we got some great stuff. Um, and now with everything that everybody has, I mean, yeah, it's, it's great. But for me, it's like a lot of, of bells and whistles. And so it's like when you come from like far back and you've really been in this building, you've seen it from the beginning where, mm-hmm people actually did help each other. I will never believe in para unity because I don't think it's ever existed or it's just a hypothetical <laughs> term, but people, at least back then, if you were, everybody was kind of new in the field because it was really like once it came out on television, everybody was kind of either that's what they were doing or mm-hmm. that's what they were interested. So it grabbed a lot of people. So we really didn't know what we were doing or what we were looking at. So we shared with a lot of other people that we would come in contact with on social media saying, hey, I got this pic. What do you think? I used to get sent so many pictures, so many pictures. I've seen so many dust orb pictures that I can't even fathom having to go through it again. But it's like a wave mm-hmm. because I see all the new investigators still now putting things out. The difference is when I started and everybody was putting stuff out. People would say, oh, nope, you know what you did? You you, you just caught a glare. This is a, you know, a, layer, a lens, lens flare or, you know, this was from your flash or this was mm-hmm. uh, this is the reason, whatever. You know, this is a, a insect flying through. That's not an energy orb or things like that. And it was to help you. Now, if you put something out and claim it to be something, oh, it's like throwing you into a piranha, you know, tank, they come at you and will rip you apart. Like it, it was bad when I started. I just can't even imagine how 
the people survive the attacks now because this field can be brutal at times. Wow. Yeah. I'm glad I'm just a little podcaster behind a mic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's why I didn't want to be in the line. Like, just, just with certain experiences that I've shared, just different things. Sure. You know, yeah. I've had like whole groups of people that don't even know me, but it, they're like troll groups. And they'll just decide like, okay, this week, this is who we're going to troll. I have people trolling and spamming my chat room with porn. I would have them sending emails or mess private messages to every friend that I had on my Facebook page. I like had to put every, all of my information private for a long time because mm -hmm. like people were just getting tons of emails and, Hey, do you know that your friend is being looked for by the FBI and she's on the run for killing people? And mm -hmm. I was just, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't even know what to do. And I, there are really people out there that have absolutely no life and nothing else to do with their day. This is like the brightness of their day. They actually have a purpose. They just go out there and just troll you to death. And, you know, some people can take it. Some people can't. And it's, you know, like the, the toughest of the tough survive, I guess, in this field. But it's, yeah, it's a, it's a completely different field now. Nobody wants to really help each other out. There are small pockets, I will say, because I have a few. Mm -hmm. Um of people that, you know, like-minded people that they get along with and they collaborate with and, um, you know, do things with here and there. But I'm seeing a lot less of like people really helping each other out and trying to make friends because again, it, almost anything nowadays can separate a field. I mean, you can have, say you've got a couple that are, married and they run a group and they've been to all the events and they know all the, a lot of people in the paranormal. And then all of a sudden they have a domestic abuse and they split up. And now all of their fans or their, you know, followers that, you know, love the couple are now feel, feel like they have to choose a side. Mm. And then once you choose that side, whether it's right or wrong, you got to stand your ground for that person, you know, and people do that without really having any real knowledge of what's going on. They just have somebody who's a cheerleader. That's like, Hey, Hey, this is what's happening. This is what the rumor is and let's go. And it's, it's, it's rough. I'll tell you. I mean, it's why I even got away from the exposing shows. I mean, yes, I exposed a lot of people and it was good that I exposed them, but the drama that came behind it mm. was great. I had death threats. Oh my God. <laughs> I had people well, who what? found out where I lived and put my address and everything out. I had people who were putting packages on the front, my front doorsteps. It was just very bizarre things. So very scary, you know, and it's like, I always say, you know, I'd much rather be dealing with the dead because the, the spirit world to me is not scary at all. You're sure. Real humans. That's where the scariness comes in. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> Humans are much more scary than yeah, absolutely than the dark, and much more. That's why I surround myself with pets. I have lots of animals. That's right. That's <laughs> lots right. of we were them. Just talking about that. That's right. Yeah, I have five, so they are my kids. That's yes, and you know what? They love you unconditionally. It just 
they're the best. You oh, know, yeah. even in the worst days, they can sense it and they'll come right to you and, Absolutely. and just help you calm and, and feel better. So yeah, they're important. And animals are so intuitive and, you know, communicating with them is just a wonderful thing, you know? Yeah. I they're say animals wonderful. and babies. Oh, I love babies. Now, I don't have any children. I could never have children, but oh, man. I'm Jen yes, X, you know, and I still crave so holding kids. Yes. <laughs> I love kids. Yes. Well, and children are very intuitive. Oh, yeah. You know, they read great. off of, of other people's energies. It's just like with with moms, you know, they'll say, okay, well, my child won't calm down. But, you know, you're in tears, and you're trying to calm this baby down, and you're shaking them, and you're upset. And, you know, they're like, okay, you're upset. I'm going to be more upset. Like, you know, obviously, there's something to be yeah. really upset about. Um <laughs> And it's the same thing with animals. You know, they they read every bit of energy. So, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I I love both. And me, they love me too. <laughs> um, you had an interesting experience with the Black Eyed Children. And this has been yeah. a subject for years. Um, I actually heard about it first on Jim, Jim Harold's show. I think it was... Okay. Yeah, it was his paranormal podcast. And I was kind of listening and I was kind of new to podcast because I discovered podcast only about 10 years ago, actually. And he was one of my first podcasts that I would listen to. And I remember one night, because I was still dancing professionally, and I remember one night I was laying there and I was listening to the story that this person was telling on his podcast. And I got goosebumps. I was I was actually frightened of these beings. And you actually encountered one. And how and when and what happened, Christine? Well, oh, hold on. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. That's so weird. My phone just completely blank. Um, so with the black-eyed children, so... I actually, again, doing my radio show, I had had people on who, mm. at the time, it was like a big, a big thing that was going all through the paranormal community was about black eyed children. Right. And I mm. thought it was really an interesting topic. So I was like really researching it and all this kind of stuff. One day <clears throat> I lived in um, Roseville, California, a uh, really nice area. I lived in a, um, par- a apartment house that backed up to a green belt, really, really nice at the end of a dead end street. So mm-hmm. I was the only one there. And so it was me and um, my ex-boyfriend and my daughter lived there. And one day me and my ex were coming back from the store and we pulled up and we saw these, these two children and a woman standing on, at the end of the um, street, right where our house was on our lawn. Mm-hmm. Now, I just figured they looked kind of homeless, but I just figured, okay, maybe they wandered and they're just wandering around the, con- you know, the subdivision. I didn't have any idea, but my ex was like very, he did not like trespassers. We like, we had signs up all over the property saying no trespassing, no solicitors, mm-hmm. sure. blah, blah, blah. So he sees them and he looks and he's like, who's that? 
I don't know. <laughs> you know as much as I do. So he pulls into our driveway and he gets out and mm-hmm. he leaves the car door open and he goes walking over there like really sternly. Now he's a big guy. He's about six four, six three, and I see him walk over there and he walks up to the lady and he has his hands on his sides and I can hear him saying something kind of loud. And then all of a sudden it just goes quiet mm-hmm. and he puts his hands down next to his side. He dropped him. He turned around. He walked back to the car, got back into the car, drove into the drive, into the garage, got out of the, turned the car off and got out of the car. And I'm, I'm looking at him like, he's the one making a big deal about like, okay, who are these people and what's she doing there? Right. Right. And he says, it's okay. They're looking for lost feral cats hmm. or kittens. And he closes the door and he goes into the house and that's it. And I'm still sitting in the passenger seat, completely bewildered what he's just telling me. I'm like, lost feral kittens. Like, first of all, we don't have any feral kittens around here. And like, why are they looking down here? Like, so I get out to go and talk to them. Right. right. And I'm just kind of like, but they're moved over. So I go into the, the house and so I'm looking out my blinds. And now I can see that they're all the way on my lawn and they're like looking over an embankment that we have that went down to like a creek at the end of our lawn. Mm-hmm. And they were all three standing in a line and they were holding hands and they were kind of swaying back and forth and I'm kind of like, hmm. And it was like they knew that I was looking at them. Right. Because I was looking at their backs, but all of a sudden, all three of them. Turn. Now, let me just before I, they get there, this woman was and this is why it was very confusing. The woman was a white woman mm-hmm. and she kind of had like curly, frizzy hair, looked like it hadn't been combed a lot. Sure. They had uh, mismatched clothes on. So, again, it was kind of weird. The little girl looked to be as if she was African-American, but maybe albino. Mm-hmm. And. So I see her. She's got brown eyes. And then the little boy is as white as snow and he's got super blue eyes. So and he's got blonde hair. So I'm thinking like maybe this is a foster mother and these are her kids or, you know, I I really didn't know what what was going on, but they just didn't seem to be matched. Like Mm -hmm. they were a family and their clothes were like all mismatched. So it didn't even go together. So it was just, right. it, it was kind of weird. So I'm looking at them and all of a sudden they all turn at the exact same time at their waist. So they turn the waist, they turn the, their shoulders and they look back and they look dead at me as if they knew I was looking at them. Now, the thing that I look at is I look at them and all that I can see with all three of them is their eyes are completely black. Even the little boy that had the piercing blue eyes, they're right. all, you can't even see the white of the eyes. They were all black. So I'm like, oh my God. And I like jump back and I'm like scared. And I ran down stairs to where my ex's uh, room was and I'm hearing the um, shower on. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm thinking, like, why was he, why is he taking a shower right now of all things? And the door is locked what? to the bedroom. So I'm banging on the door, like, come on, I need your help. I need your help. I can't get any help. So I run back upstairs, you know, and I'm looking again. And it's like, 
it happened a couple times and I had to like kind of like talk to myself and I was like, Christina, like pull yourself together. Like, this is what you do for a living. Why are you afraid? Like, right. chill out. Yeah. Like you're all right. Right. So I go walking out there and I'm like, Hey, what are you doing? And I, Oh no, before that I looked out and they were standing in a circle and they were holding hands and they were rocking back and forth and they were saying something, but I, it, they were all saying the exact same thing at the same time, mm-hmm. but I could not hear what they were saying. Cause I had looked inside. And again, when I looked, they looked at me. So that's the second time when I get super scared, convince myself, like pull it together, Christina, you got to go figure this out. Mm-hmm. So I yanked the door open and I run out onto my porch and I'm like, Hey, what are you doing over there? What are you, what are you saying? What are you doing? And the lady turns around and looks at me and she says, nothing, we're done. And they walk off to the left and out past my garage so I can no longer see them. Mm-hmm. And I'm literally just standing there kind of like frozen, like, what do you mean you, you're done? You're d- done what? So I literally like run to the end of my driveway and I look around the corner and they're nowhere to be found. Now, at this time, I go run back in because now I'm going to grab my keys because I'm going to go and drive up the street and I'm going to make them tell me like what they were doing. Right. Now I have no fear. And so as I go to run back in, my ex is coming out of the door. And immediately as I see, he's like, what are you doing? I just went off on him. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, what were you doing? Taking a shower? Blah, blah, blah. Come on, come with me. So we go. He just follows me and we go running and get in the car. I jumped in the driver's side and we drove, we lived in like a, uh, like a big subdivision and mm-hmm. there was only one way in and one way out. So I did a whole loop around all the way around the complex, nowhere to be found. I was stopping at the neighbors saying, did you see a woman and two kids go by here? Nobody saw, nobody saw anything. Wow. And then when I got back to the house, I was telling my ex, like, and he's like, okay, calm down. Like, Tell me what is going on. I said, those, the, the, the lady, you said they're looking for the lost feral kittens. And he's like, what are you talking about? Oh, he does. No, he doesn't have a memory of any of it. He had no memory of any of it. He said he was not in the shower. He was sitting in the bedroom watching television. But it clearly, I heard the thing. Clearly the door was locked, which he, we never locked the door. Right. It was the most bizarre, bizarre situation I think I had ever experienced. And then I didn't even want to talk about it. And mm-hmm. then I happened to be talking to um, Nick Redford and he was on my show and he was talking about black eyed children. Right. And I happened to talk to him off air about it. And he was like, Oh wow. Like, and I said, but it can't be, it, it, it can't be. That's, not, that's me. Every time something strange <laughs> happens, I'm like afterwards, I'm like, yeah, well this, I know you think this is, but it can't be because at the time, all of the incidences that people were um, talking about when they had experiences with black mm-hmm. eyed children always happened at night. People were usually alone in a car and they were approached and they right. wanted to get a ride or they would knock on a door right. and they yeah. would want to come in. It was usually little boys and they looked exactly alike. Um, and most of them were wearing like little sweatsuits with, with a hoodie. Yeah. Yeah. So right. those didn't apply to anything I saw. So I'm just like, so it can't be. And I said, and the woman had black eyes of all things. So it absolutely, I don't know if I was, you know, just 
hallucinating. I don't know, Nick. I don't know what's going on. And he said, oh, no. Well, this is my next book, actually. He's like, there are is such thing as called black eye women. And there are black eyed children mm-hmm. that are just like you have explained. They are not always just this one you know, type. And he says, in fact, that's what attracted me to your story is because it wasn't the generic one that everybody was like copying. Right. Yeah. So he ended up putting it in the, in the book, but yeah, I was, yeah, it was different, definitely a different experience. I mean, I had never felt that kind of fear. And I mean, again, all they did was look at me, but Mm -hmm. it was like, it was like a connection that it was scary. It, 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 I don't get scared of much, but yeah, that uh, definitely sent me for one. And it'll be something that I'll, I'll never, never, ever forget. In fact, me and my ex, we're still really good friends and we talk all the time. And, you know, he says, yeah, I don't know. I think, you, you know, you messing with all this paranormal is what caused all this to happen. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, <laughs> <I'm> like, no. <laughs> blame it on me. Sure. No problem. I'll take that. <laughs> Well, I always think those stories are really interesting because I've heard some, like yours is very different from most people, obviously. Right. But when you, when people talk about it, they have the same kind of fear going on. Like there's something, there's something very fearful about these beings or whatever they are and nobody can figure them out. And often they have visitors afterwards asking them questions about it especially if they let them Mm -hmm. in the house Mm -hmm. and things like that did anything happen where people were nosing around your house or anything afterwards no not that not that i know of but i mean again my other show was actually i got ended up being on the government watch list for podcasts with a conspiracy with conspiracies and because i was talking about all this kind of stuff oh my goodness yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that's when you know that you're you're doing a good job when when they when you get on a watch list. But well, you know, it, you're it's on kind the right of funny track because with everything coming out now, slowly yeah. and leaking out, and the court cases coming mm-hmm. out from the military on the news and all of that stuff, I think things are going to change, and we're going to have at least some answers to some of this stuff. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know, because the one thing that I have noticed in across the fields, because, of course, I investigate everything, cryptozoology, ufology, paranormal, all of that. They're very connected. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, am, I am very interested in, in all of them. And I the more that we get answers, the more questions that pop up. So oh, yeah. it's like Definitely. they give you this little bit. I mean, how long... Have people been in ufology been talking about the Roswell crash and the fact that there were live beings that were, you know, recovered from there, from the crash site and that there was, you know, the actual saucers have been, you know, recovered, all these things. And forever they've been saying, no, 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 that's not the case. That never happened, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's like. Then it was like, well, you know, even if it was true, like we could never disclose that kind of information because of national security and the society, you know, the American people could not handle that kind of information. But yet then all of a sudden out of nowhere, we start having all of these very, very obvious sightings. We're shooting things down out of there, which we've never done before, all just in a matter of a span of a Mm -hmm. couple of months. 
And then guess what? Okay, now we're going to admit that the TikTok video was was legit and that was a real thing. Oh, okay, now we're going to get all the whistleblowers. Now we're going to say all this that exists. And it was like super big news for everybody except for the public. Everybody was like, oh, well, we figured as much. <laughs> like it did, nobody was like super freaked out or scared. Like it, it was mm-hmm. not the reaction that they kept saying was going to happen. People are very, I think, just as time goes on, they're just kind of like, yeah, you know, more than likely there's a lot of there stuff. Is. Now, again, with TV, you've got a lot more information about, you know, that shared on television and social media about the paranormal as well as UFOs. And everybody's got a camera now. So it's not like back in the day where nobody had a camera and you'd see a sighting and there's no way to capture it. You could just tell, you know, tell people. People are capturing things everywhere. Mm-hmm. But definitely, I will tell you with my precog dreams that. I think this is very, was very planned. Oh, oh, um, absolutely. It has to be. Yes. And um, I would, I'm expecting like within at least the next six months that they are going to try to like do a fake type of alien invasion. Um, I just want people to know, like, first of all, don't believe the BS. Uh, second of all, we have to think about if the alien races really wanted to come and destroy us, they could have done it long, long ago. Uh, we have a lot of precious things um, that alien races seem to like here, so they don't want us huh. to blow it up either. So, you know, there's many incidences where, you know, they're saying there's been alien intervention on stopping, you know, nuclear war and, you know, all kinds of things. So, um I think it's another fear tactic to put into us where then everybody who is so disconnecting and untrusting of our government would then be forced into relying on our government again because something scary is happening. So we're going to look to them for direction. So people need to be careful what they what they see and what they believe. So you think the government wants people to be afraid of these beings. Yes, 100%. I think it'll be like something. So what I'm being shown is like not not even just that, just everything that I'm being shown as far as like weather to, to all this kind of stuff. It's all like so exaggerated. It's like out of a movie. So like, you know, if we're going to have hurricanes, they're going to be like the worst hurricanes we've seen and the worst damage we've seen in a long time. And we just... I had just predicted the whole thing with the hurricane um, in Los Angeles and the earthquake there Mm -hmm. probably like a month before any of it was even being talked about. Um, And so when these I'm being shown these uh, things, it it is very accurate. And so the fact that everything is so extreme and so over the top, there's a lot going on to be fear-based and manipulated like weather is being manipulated mm-hmm. um a lot of things so these next six months are going to be crazy i know we just had you know we have had the, the um planets aligned and yeah. going through retrograde we're about to now have the super blue moon um you know it the weather is going to be like that times a thousand uh and things that are going to be going on so you know people just I always tell people, 
people used to get really scared when I would, originally people didn't believe me when I would talk about the precog dreams and I'd put the information out. Right. Then they started happening and they were very accurate and they were happening pretty quickly. And then it changed. People started getting scared. And, you know, I stopped doing them again because my premise is I never want anybody to be scared. You know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Like this is, if this is how it's going to be, there's, I've never been shown that I can intervene or anybody can intervene and change anything. But what we need to do is just be prepared and be smart, you know, Mm -hmm. and pay attention. So that's kind of where I am with, with those. So do you think, just out of curiosity, do you think in the next six months, there's going to be something really significant yeah. around these beings? Are the beings going to show themselves? Or are they going to stay I don't think, hiding? no, I don't think that we're going to have anything like where a being's going to show itself. It's just going to be, you know, ships are going to appear or, you know, may shoot down a weapon. I, and, and to be absolutely honest, it could be something like Project Bluebeam. I mean, you can see now that they've got holograms that they put at concerts of people who have died and you would never know that it's not the real person. Sure. Yeah. So just imagine if you're shooting that same kind of technology up into the thing, look at CGI right now. It is so hard to know with all of the videos that are coming out in Helsin, like what's real, what's CGI, because it looks so real. Oh yeah. It's crazy. So I think that's, what's going to be used, you know, more than it be, real aliens coming to get us. And if that's the case, look, I volunteer right now, uh, whoever the powers be, as long as you're not military related, come in and duck me. I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm Are you done? Out, ready. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> you're toasted. You're done. You're out of here. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> it's like, can, can my assignment be over? Like, I don't understand. Between the paranormal and the UFO, I can't understand like why I'm still here. Like, what's, what's the, can you just tell me, like, I'm just so I can follow directions real quick and get this over with? This is ridiculous. You're funny. I'm, <laughs> I'm done. Beam me up. Beam me up, Scotty. I'm ready to go. Like, I just, something's got to be better than this. And if it's not, like, that's... That is what my future holds. Like, that's what I'm supposed to, to deal with. So I, I kind of like just fly by the seat of my pants. And, but I'm over this, this world. This world I'm over for sure. Do you, um, do you think people are going to have more and more experiences with them on a different oh, yeah. level? Um, well, no. What I think is, is that people have been having all kinds of experiences. I think that it is going to finally be a time where people are going to slowly start coming out the woodwork with their actual stories. Yeah. Because again, now it's becoming accepted. And, you know, when people know that right away, they're going to be thought that they're crazy. They don't want, I mean, they don't want to go through that. Mm -mm. So they just don't talk about it. That's just like if you find a good therapist or a good support group, right? And everybody's got similar experiences. You, It's very easy after a while to talk because you know you're not going to be judged. You know that there's other people out there that have experienced similar things. So they don't think you're crazy and they can absolutely believe it. Um, that's exactly. It was just like with the paranormal when all the the TV shows started coming out, like Paranormal Witness and, you know, my paranormal experience, all these different things. People flock to them all of a sudden and people... I had known for a long time that never even told me they had an experience, you know, all of a sudden on TV sharing their experiences. But again, it became 
accepted. So once it kind of becomes accepted, socially accepted, people feel a lot more comfortable coming out and coming on the show. I've literally had whistleblowers uh, since I brought that top secret news. I used to have whistleblowers all the time contact the show. And then I took it like a two year break because of my, I uh, was really sick mm-hmm. and coming back. I'm getting all these tons of people again that are coming out the woodworks and the military and the government, you know, high ranking security clearance, you know, coming that now as well want to come out and tell their, their stories. So I think that we're going to see a lot more people are having experience, but they've been happening for a long time. People who have actually had contact or have been abducted, it's usually not a one-time thing. Right. It's usually something that has been going on forever. So they may not know it. They may not understand it. Like in my case, when it was going on, I didn't realize and I didn't really know what was going on. So I just think that people are going to be more knowledgeable and say, okay, you know, like it's, it's time to, to get this out. We got, we got to be part of letting people know that this is really going on. But Right. And, and I think you're right. I mean, I think more and more people are just stepping out and so many people have had experiences. It's hard to hide it, even if they don't know what they are, you know? Right. Right. So I find it extremely fascinating. Well, yeah, and I think that, you know, when you're in like the military or even in the private sector and you work with government contracts and certain things, um, it's very compartmentalized when it's certain projects. But again, there's a lot of people, you know, that see some very interesting stuff and but they're under contracts and they take that very serious, you know, and there's very serious consequences if you put that information. I just did a show uh, last week with one of my good friends and he was a a park ranger for Mm -hmm. 45 years and he couldn't, he was basically, they called him the UFO Molner of the, of the park uh, and national uh, parks and the um, forests. So he had all kinds of stories and experiences of what's happening in our Mm -hmm. national parks and forests and why it's not safe to go out there alone. Really? Oh my gosh. Fascinating. Yeah. You have to go back and listen. He's going to come back for a part two. It was so interesting. I couldn't leave it (laughs) without the rest of the information. But yeah, now that he is retired and his NDA has expired, Mm -hmm. he feels like it's very important that he let people know. But, you know, again, it's like when you get these kinds of positions and jobs and you get the kind of security clearance that these people need to have these kinds of jobs, you take that very, very serious. So if you're told like you can't say nothing for that's exactly what you're going to do because you could end up in jail. You could end up missing. You could end up dead. There's all kinds of crazy things that, you know, have happened to whistleblowers. So, um, but people are, I think are just, getting to a point where they just don't care anymore. Like it, it, the information just needs to come out and they hope that if it tons of people come out with this information, especially credible people, mm-hmm. then it's going to have a little bit more weight than a whole bunch of us, just regular people talking about our experiences that we've been going through forever. <laughs> right. Well, and you know, I've heard forest rangers say stuff like that before, but they can't really talk about it. And if they know people are missing because of these, these whatever's and whatever is going on, you think they would just tell people to stay out of that particular area. 
Yeah, you would think, but you know, according to my guest, that that's absolutely not the case. And sometimes the military comes in and they they overtake the whole case, and nothing, and then all of the evidence disappears. Wow. Yeah, it's is a fascinating interview, and like I said, so fascinating that he's coming back for a part two next month. So, uh, yeah, people want to check it out. They can check it out. It's a uh, on Top Secret News with my uh, guest, Chris George, instead of Christina George. is my brother from another mother. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but yes, amazing, you know, information. So again, information is now starting to come out and it's really massively starting to come out. So sure, yeah, you can definitely, definitely expect that more stuff is going to come out. And I think we're just going to start accepting a lot more. But again, if you see any alien invasion, you know, kind of give it the side eye because... <laughs> Don't be afraid they're coming to get you. I just hope people don't panic and just do something stupid, you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> just, I think that's what they kind of hope for. You hold know, on to your cookies. It will be okay. That's right. Yeah, just <laughs> hold on and you'll be all right. So, Christine, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, so you can find me. I'm, or You can look under Paranormal Connections Radio Show, Top Secret News Radio Show, or Christina George. I am on every social platform you can think of, including TikTok. Um, and if you look up me up on um, any of those, you can look me up under Paranormal um, Investigator 916. Um, the last thing would be my email. You can uh, email me if you'd like with any questions. It's paranormalinvestigator916 at gmail.com. Wonderful. Christine, it's a pleasure talking to you tonight. And you will also be on my other live podcast with Todd Bates' WLT. I can't even talk anymore. WLTK TV <laughs> on Twilight tonight, which I'm really excited about. And you, you have a great evening, hon. You too. Thank you so much for having me on. You're welcome. Take care and have a good week. <laughs>